Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hi, James. Hey, Scott. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, wrapping up another year. Oh, yes. Hard to believe. Yeah. And we're going to celebrate with an episode. Yes. Um... I think really... today is the, the shortest question we've ever gotten. Yes. From Jack. Can y'all do an episode about inflation? End question. Love I, it. I think we can. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we can, Jack. Uh, inflation is a thing right now. It is? And not just, well, there's inflation and there's what do we do about inflation? Yeah. And so that's what we want to talk about. Yes. Is as investors... We're hearing in the media, there's this thing called inflation. We know as consumers how that impacts us. The cost of everything we buy is just it's more expensive. But what do we do with our investments? Like, mm-hmm. What should we be changing about that to keep up with whatever's happening with inflation? So let's do, let's do an episode on that. Let's do it. Um, where do you want to start? With some perspective. Some perspective. I like that. New York Times a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. they, uh, there was a front page headline says federal reserve officials are increasingly worried that inflation is too low and could leave the central bank with less room to maneuver in an economic downturn. Yeah. Quote. There's a paper selling papers. <laughs> paper selling papers. And and you know we start with that. What does that have to do with inflation? Nothing except that there's always going to be something. Yeah, but we were in a peri- we were also we were in a period of time where inflation was so low. You know, it was actually lower than what we think of as the standard. We kind of think the standard 3%. We were actually in a, a period of time where it was lower than that for a prolonged period of time. So we kind of forgot about it in many ways. And yeah. in some instances, they were like, this is bad. Watch yep. out. We, we need to watch out for this. Yeah. So uh, we're just starting there because you're exactly right. The, the headlines today, not saying that it's not a thing. It certainly is a thing. But yep. let's just be, be mindful of the fact that there's always going to be panic-inducing headlines. Whether mm-hmm. there's inflation being too high or too low, there's always reason that financial media has given you to uh, to be concerned. Yeah. So whatever the issue is today, in this case, it's inflation. Before this has been COVID, it's been unemployment, it's been elections, it's been trade wars, it's been tariffs, it's been just a whole bunch of different things. Let's talk about what we should do in light of that. We're not going to spend too much time trying to talk about what's causing inflation, when does it go away, all that. We'll leave that to the to the smarter people. It's way smarter Are people. There some, yeah, yeah. Let's leave that to them. Yeah. Our job is to figure out what do we do with it. And and where would you start if you're going to look at inflation as an investor? Well, I actually like looking to the past. Um you know, we could look back on history to see what happened when inflation was high. Yeah. Yeah. But in 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. inflation was was much higher than it is today. Yeah. So what, what's it today? 6.2% was the year-over-year inflation rate as we're recording this. Yeah. I think those like 
I bonds made the news because you could get like over seven percent on an I bond. Yeah. Um, through the treasury. Yeah. You, you could if you have an extra ten grand and shift it. From, you could shift it from your emergency fund to an I bond if you want to go through the the hoop jumping of yep. having an I bond. <laughs> yep. Yep. There's some hoops to jump through, but there's also some greater return. Um, but inflation today, over the last twelve months, has been about low, low sixes. Yeah, there has been a time where inflation was double digits in the U.S., mm-hmm. and so let's look back to that time to see how did the market react to see okay what 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 did people do then to have success, and can that potentially translate to today to see if we can have success? And the exercise we'd ask you to do is imagine it's New Year's Day of nineteen seventy nine. We so, will, yeah, we won't even ask you to do the exercise. We're just going to do it for you. We'll do it for you. Yeah, close your eyes <laughs> unless you're driving. I get to close my eyes. New Year's seventy nine. I'm not even born yet. Well, you can keep your eyes open. <laughs> you're people listening, <laughs> unless you're driving. Close your eyes. We're not going to take you through meditation, but we're going to ask you to imagine it's New Year's Day, nineteen seventy nine, and you have come off two back to back years of negative real returns in the stock market. Yeah, meaning in nineteen seventy seven, the stock market, so the S and P five hundred, was down seven point two percent. And then 1978, the next year, it was up 6.6%, but inflation was 7.6%, which means your real return was you were down 1%. And just to be clear for a second, real return, if you ever hear that, basically means what was the return after inflation? It's that simple. Yeah. But so there you go. It's a negative rate of return once you factor in inflation. Yeah. Expenses grew by faster than your portfolio or whatever you want to look at it as. So you you lost real purchasing power that yeah. year. Gallon of milk went up 8%. Your stock portfolio went up 7 Yep. Yep. <laughs> Not keeping up with that milk, which is important. Um, so you're, you're sitting there two years back-to-back negative real returns. And for whatever reason, you have a crystal ball and it tells you with certainty that the next two years you will see back-to-back double-digit inflation for the first time since World War I. Whoa. So you know that next year, this coming year, 1979, inflation is going to be 11.3%. And the following year, it's going to be 13.5%. Yeah. So that's pretty high. That's almost double what we're talking about today. Scary. So what are you going to do? You know, Two negative years in a row. You know there's going to be another two, not necessarily negative stock market years, but really high inflation years. Yeah. I mean, if I'm like most investors, I'm going to probably panic a little bit. Yeah. Get out of the market. I remember in 1974 when the inflation adjusted return for US stocks was negative 35%, meaning the stock market was down in the mid 20s and inflation was double digits as well. So I'm thinking back to that and saying, there's no way I'm sticking around for that. I'm going to panic here, man. We're both panicking. So did we, did we, um, let's say that you and I, we got out of the stock market because we were preparing for this. How did we fare the next couple of years? Do we do we do well with our crystal ball telling us inflation is going to be terrible and we got out in time to protect ourselves? Yeah, if we let the crystal ball get us out of the markets, um, that actually turned out to be a horrible choice oh, in the end. <laughs> uh, so the small so we've talked before about how you can invest in companies whether it's large companies like the S&P 500 or in small companies which are you know much smaller than the 500 largest companies the S&P so the S&P 500 over the next 2 years since uh, since this little uh illustration we're up 57% wow yeah despite the double digit inflation back to back years so you still have a nice positive return real return after inflation being double digits for two years. Jeez. The small companies, um, the small cap index was up 91%, which is amazing. 
Wow. Um, the kind of blended return of the large and the small together was up about 63%. And then, um, yeah, the, the inflation was actually ringing at 27%. Yeah. Between the two. But so, so prices rose by 27.5% if we look at those two back to back years. Yep. But had you remained invested, you would have been ahead. You were significantly further ahead than that. Yeah. So that's where, as investors today, let's, let's just pretend we could predict exactly what inflation was going to be over the next one year or two years. Mm-hmm. Does that even do us any good as investors? Well, in this example, not really. No. Because if you were out of the market, you were guaranteed to lose 27.5% over these two years because inflation rose by that amount. So if you're there sitting in cash, feeling nice and comfortable because your cash isn't subject to whatever craziness might happen in the market, you lost over a quarter of your purchasing power in two short years. Yeah. Whereas the investor that stuck with it, if they were all in large cap investments, so the S&P 500, they made 57%. If they were in small companies, they made over 90%. So that's, I think, the point that we want to get across more than anything else is what's going to happen with inflation? It's it's not necessarily easy to predict, but even if we could predict what inflation was going to do, how does that even help us as investors knowing that the, the market could just continue running and the worst thing to do in those cases is to be sitting in cash? Yeah. Um, let's see how this all... What, what, so the 70s and 80s were bad inflation years. What were the three worst years for inflation during the 70s and 80s? It was, uh, what, remind me. 1974 was yeah. one. So we just looked at 1979 and 1980. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think we talked about inflation being 11.3% in 1979. And in 1980, it was 13.5%. Yeah. And if we just look at the stock market those years, 1979, the S&P 500 was up 18.5%. In 1980, it was up 32%. Mm-hmm. Now, there are years where inflation was high and the stock market was down. So 1974, the stock market was down 26.5% and inflation was up 11%. So negative real return of about negative 36 or so. So that's pretty, that's pretty painful. So this isn't to say that the stock market is guaranteed to run with inflation, but when you're looking at the numbers, it, it, it's hard to take history and say they're, you're definitely going to get positive returns. You're definitely going to get negative returns just because of inflation. Yeah. I mean, to me, the thing this keeps coming back to and reminding me of is that the stock market is a place where we see capitalism get weighed and measured on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And regardless of the circumstance, be it inflation or the em- employment or taxation or all these different things, companies are still going to show up with people working at them to try to better their own lives. And to do that, they're going to try to better other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they don't stay in business for very long. Yeah. Right? And if yeah. they can pass through a cost to an end consumer, I'm sure they'll try to. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So, yeah. so there's a lot of reasons why investing in companies can actually be beneficial for um, protecting yourself against inflation. Absolutely. I think so many people say, well, what's, how do we hedge against inflation? Well, one of the absolute best ways to hedge against inflation is is to own stocks. Yeah. It's to own companies that if the cost of doing business goes up, though their revenue is going to go up because mm-hmm. Starbucks is probably going to start charging more for coffee and McDonald's maybe doesn't have the dollar menu anymore. And and these companies are just taking the cost of their products, which are rising, and translating that into to increase cost to consumers. 
We so, literally just saw that as a headline the other day. The dollar store is going to be the dollar twenty five store. Yeah, now, exactly, right? exactly. Okay, they're still going to make money. They're still going to make money. People are still going to buy their goods, mm-hmm. and their revenues are going to increase. So, in the long run, stocks are an amazing hedge against inflation, mm-hmm. and and it's almost like people want something more sophisticated or more sexy or more different i think i think it's, it's more so the fear to me the thing i keep hearing it's kind of the underlying fear what should i do mm-hmm. it's like i should do something mm-hmm. the, the actual answer is no no stocks for the long run are actually a really good way to help hedge inflation right you don't want to make a big change here mm-hmm. yeah yeah and even just looking these last 12 months we talked about inflation rate being up 6.2 percent or so What's the S and P five hundred up the last twelve months as of this recording? Like thirty something percent, a huge number. You, yeah, you didn't have to do much to get that return, other than not panic when the media said, "Oh my gosh, here's inflation," or "Oh my gosh, inflation's too low," or "Oh my gosh, here's this reason to, to panic." If you just didn't listen to the media and stuck with your investments, you have hedged against inflation pretty significantly. One of the worst things that you can do with right with inflation that rises faster than expected is is owning some of those long-term bonds. You know, we talked about that two-year time period after uh, 1979 when inflation rose double-digit back-to-back years. Well, inflation rate grew 27.5%. Long-term bonds lost over 5% over that two-year time period. Now, mm-hmm. could you have predicted the inflation rate at that time? No. But when you have a bond, there's not really a built-in inflation hedge. It's kind of the exact opposite. Whereas if you It is the stopped, exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get the same exact interest rate even as- even as uh, inflation goes up. Yeah. So there's there's not that built-in hedge, whereas with stocks, there really is. The opposite side of that, though, is if you currently have a 30-year mortgage, <laughs> it's actually lovely for inflation to happen for you on that 30-year mortgage. Yep. Because uh, hopefully you're getting rate wage increases as well, but your uh, your payment's staying the same. Yep. And that's what was happening on those long-term bonds for the bondholder when the price, the value was going down. You're just seeing the opposite side of it as a mortgage owner. Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing to be mindful of is we we assume because this is the way that the media makes it that there's just one headline risk happening at all times like oh my gosh look at all these headlines about inflation this must be the thing that is driving the stock market Mm -hmm. the reality is there's thousands of different things driving the stock market one of which is inflation and so we get the sense of how on earth can the stock market continue to be rising as inflation is going up like this in the same way during COVID, I mean, we remember that really scary five-week period we had where the stock market lost a third of its value in five weeks, and then it took off and had the best 50 days ever as a, as a run-up after that. And people saying, how on earth can the stock market be rising? Look at unemployment. Look at COVID cases. They're just getting worse. And so, well, yes, but you're wrongly assuming those are the only two variables that the stock market's taking into account mm-hmm. when determining the price of different securities. Yeah, there's monetary policy, there's fiscal policy, there's corporate profits, there's uh, there's productivity. There, there's like all these different things going into the actual value of the stock market. So to look at it and say because of inflation this will happen is just a very limited way of looking at the stock market. Exactly. The all, all of those variables are combining on a daily basis. Like six hundred and fifty billion dollars of money is changing hands every day in the stock market. All that information comes out and people are trying to figure out the appropriate price on a daily basis. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what do we do? Do we do we do nothing? Do we do something? Yeah. Do we change everything? Um, you know. Well, what would we do for our clients? I would 
start, and we always go back to this, just don't start with the portfolio, start with your needs. Yeah. Okay, Scott, you're my client. What are your needs from your portfolio? Mm-hmm. Do you have a long time until you need this money? Well, great. Let's let's have a hedge against inflation, by the way, that's called stocks. And by the way, you're already invested in that. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is let's not panic. Let's not be derailed out of our investment strategy because of these headlines or because of the inevitable ups and downs that will happen. Mm-hmm. This isn't us saying that there won't be a downturn in the market. There will certainly be a downturn in the market, maybe because of inflation, maybe because of something else. But Start with what you need. If you don't need this, okay, let's make sure we're rebalancing. Let's make sure we're staying disciplined. Let's make sure we're continuing the course. Um, Maybe you're a few years away from retirement or in retirement. Well, if that's the case, we probably don't want everything in stocks because stocks do go down in value 30, 40% or more Mm -hmm. in some years. So we do need to have something that insulates your portfolio from those ups and downs. That something could be like cash or could be like bonds, the role of which is to to be that ballast that you talk about to, mm-hmm. to perform differently than stocks. So when you're taking income, you're taking income from something that's gone up in value. And we don't know if that something's going to be stocks or bonds or what type of stocks or what type of bonds, but you have something there that can generate the income needed for you. Um, and make sure you have enough that could cover a few years of living expenses in case the stock market does drop and takes a few years to fully recover. Sure. And if you don't like that, then then realize what you're saying. You say, no, that's not good enough. We need to make a change. Realize that what you're actually saying is you have information or you have a conviction that you know to be true that the rest of the market is unaware of. Mm-hmm. And you made a comment earlier, hey, $650 billion worth of stock trades hands every day. Mm-hmm. And every time a trade goes through, there's information that people are bringing to the market to drive those trades. So you're essentially saying, I know better than the rest of the market and it's market timing, and that's fine, but just call it what it is and be prepared to to get burned because you often get burned if you try to time the market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if we take this higher level, though, talking about inflation, inflation happens. It hasn't happened for a long time. It's normal. There are reasons which we didn't dive into today of why this could be, the word was transitory is the word that's been used a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we we will see whether or not it is. Even if it's not, looking at periods of like the 1970s, uh, investing still was a great way to build wealth. Mm-hmm. I think that's clear. Uh, and then the, the next thing is, the biggest thing is that the end result is of all of this for the action item for everyone listening is have a plan. Yep. Know what your needs are. Build a plan to help you achieve your goals. Right, that's where asset allocation comes from, which we've talked about on the show. You just were alluding to it with things like, "Do you need the money now within a shorter f- time frame?" If you do, that's going to lean toward having some cash or bonds in the portfolio. If you don't, you're going to be more aggressive, perhaps, just depending upon the needs for yourself. Um, but then have a plan. But more importantly, stick with your plan. Yeah. <laughs> like if yeah. you if you're constantly coming in and making changes, ah, something has to change now because because there's inflation now. Well, it could just as easily be that something needed to change because Brexit was happening, or something needed to change because the political winds were shifting in the United States, or something needed to happen. If if that's who you've been, it's really hard for you to get ahead. Yep. If instead you have a a, a plan, you stick with it. Um, you'll typically find that you end up doing better than most. Absolutely. And I don't know if it was Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger, but it was one of those two very wealthy, very good investors that said, the first rule of compounding is to never interrupt it unnecessarily. Yeah. And the way you don't interrupt it unnecessarily is to your point, Scott, of 
there's going to be headlines. There's going to be things that are scary. There's going to be things that make you feel like you should be changing your strategy. But if your strategy is aligned with your goals and what's most important to you and what you need to be doing to reach those goals, don't let those headlines be what causes you to change your strategy Yeah, and stay at it. That's, it that's can be as simple as that sometimes. That is when you get paid at the end of the day is when mm-hmm. you choose not to do those things. Yeah. Honestly, like for, for, for some people, that's why we are their advisor is to help them ensure that they don't do those things in those periods of time. Mm-hmm. Some people don't ever need that and they don't ever come see us. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's just have a plan, stick with it. Um, inflation is here, but uh, I think we just walked you through a few reasons why uh, it's not something that we think is the thing to focus on. Fully agree. All right. Um, well, Jack, thank you for your question. And thank you everyone else for your questions as well. Be sure to submit yours. If you say, hey, I've got a question that's on the back of my mind, and I'd love James and Scott to, to answer it. You can do that at the Real Personal Finance website. You can also leave us a review if you're enjoying this. And unless you have anything else, Scott, I think that is it for today. That's it. Have a great day. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.